Hi, hi, hi. I hope this finds you in a good place as you are settling in or driving or biking or whatever you're doing and wherever you are as you tune in to this edition of the Redheaded Preacher Podcast. This is for September 10th, 2023. It's our Sunday School Rally Day. Uh, we start Sunday School today. In fact, we did begin it at 9 a.m., starting with chapel that I got to lead. And that inspired me to bring a message about Christian education. And it is not just about Sunday school. Uh, far, far from it. Uh, the ending, as well as the very definition of the word education, leads me and the message beyond Sunday school and confirmation. To where, you know, I think, I think this will be a... I think this will be an educational message because it was educational for me, and that's not meant to be a pun or a joke. Just even reminding myself and finding again what I was taught about the root word, the root words that put together the word in English education, and what that means kind of undergirds the whole whole message. And it was something I learned again, and something some of you may be hearing for the first time. So that's kind of cool, and I hope it makes the rest of the message kind of cool, because I hope I'm going to a faithful and cool place with it. And I hope we're all going there together, which is also part of the message of this homily, or this sermon. It's simply called On Christian Education, and I am grateful that you have chosen to listen to this. Whenever you might be listening to this, it might be six months from now, it does not matter. So I'm going to uh, lead a brief word of prayer, lead a brief prayer before we go further, and then we'll go to the scriptures. Holy One, the one who has called us, called us out to be your people, and in a difficult time, a challenging time, an historic time with what's going on in our country and in around the world, really. So we, we thank you for bringing us the time, giving us the time to take, to listen to a message with hope and challenge. We ask your spirit to bless us as we listen, and we ask your spirit to follow us as we go on after listening, that it might help us interpret or improve how we live in the future to the glory of your name, because that's what we're about the glory of your name, to, in, to glorify God and enjoy God forever, as uh, the catechism says. It is in Jesus' name we offer this prayer with gratitude. Amen. And now Jen Schneider, our recent uh, church president. She was our president for five years. Now she is our head deacon, and she's our lector as well. So the next voice you hear will be hers. Good morning. Good morning. Since today is the kickoff for our new year of Sunday School, our pastor has chosen some passages that have to do with Jewish or Christian education in hopes that the Spirit's movement during the readings will give us more understanding of them and thereby educate us, a word of prayer is definitely appropriate. So please join me in the spirit of prayer for the prayer of illumination. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, prepare us to hear from the scriptures. Sometimes it can be easy to dismiss a passage that seems familiar. We've heard it before, and so we disengage. 
Yet we know that your word is powerful and that it is calling us to live like Jesus. Do not let us turn off our ears so quickly. Help us to listen well and respond with obedience. Let us see what it is that you are doing through the scriptures that we hear today. You are working, and we want to join you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Our first reading, like last Sunday's, comes from the book of Deuteronomy. It is chapter 6, verses 4 through 19. I'm sorry, verses 4 through 9. The Lord makes it clear to the Hebrews that their children are to be brought up learning the ways and the teachings of their God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is your God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. Keep these words that I am commanding you today in your heart. Recite them to your children and talk about them. When you are at home and when you are away, when you lie down and when you rise, bind them as a sign on your hand, fix them as an emblem on your forehead, and write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This ends the reading from Deuteronomy 6. Our epistle lesson is from 2 Timothy, again like last week, but today we hear the 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10 through 17. Sometimes this is a passage heard on Confirmation Sunday. The author writes, Now you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions, and my suffering, the things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra, what persecutions I endured. Yet, the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Jesus Christ will be persecuted. But wicked people and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving others and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have been, you have been known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. This ends the reading of the epistle lesson. Will those who are able please stand up for the reading of the gospel lesson? This morning we have the parable from Jesus that ends the Sermon on the Mount. It is Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 29. Everyone who hears these words of mine and acts on them will be like the wise man who built his house on a rock. The rains fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears the words of mine and does not act on them will be like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain fell and the floods came, 
And the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and it was a great fall. Now when Jesus finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as one of their scribes. Here ends the reading from the Gospel and our scriptures for this morning's worship. May God grant us a wise and generous understanding of this, the word of the God of life, for the life of the people of God. The title of the sermon is On Christian Education. And I want to acknowledge that for a lot of us, the words Christian education take us back to Sunday school class confirmation, perhaps to youth fellowship. Depending on where you grew up at church, there might have been mission camp trips and summer camp trips and fundraisers for the youth group, which we've done. Some of us have had different experiences, or even none. Now, if we had some of those days, we may have fond memories, if they are, in fact, behind us. But some of us, they are not behind us. Some of us are still enjoying the advantages of being in Sunday school. I ask them to only remember, not only, but I ask them to remember that in some places, churches are discouraged from teaching Sunday school. The government they live, where they live is against our faith and pressures churches not to hold any classes and for you to attend. No, it's best not to attend Sunday school. That's their discouragement. So let us not forget that we are privileged to live in a place where we can worship and learn about our faith freely. Another reality about Christian education is that some folks finish confirmation class and they're done. Their spiritual growth is, well, I can't say, but it may not grow beyond much where they stopped in eighth grade or ninth. Also, not all of us finished confirmation class, or some of us didn't join our church after confirmation class, but here we are. Here we are. And many young adults do go farther in life with a desire to grow in faith. Maybe up to a point. What do I mean by that? One of the lay leaders of my previous church, St. Nikolai United Church of Christ in the city, once shared with me his thought that when folks hit middle age, or maybe a little older, they are unlikely to change what they believe. As he explained it to me, the older woman or man, by life experiences, learning, and faith, they've come to a faith place that is comfortable for them, they may have fought a heck of a battle to get there, to keep their faith, or to alter it. Therefore, he said, they are not much interested in or open to any more work. Their faith journey has come to a comfortable place. Now their faith work is complete, or their journey is. That's what he shared with me, and I would now add it for the sermon. They think it's over. I understand what he was saying, believe me. Living as long and having lived through the number of changes as I have, there is a level of inner work and sometimes frustration that no one wants to revisit again. I get the attitude of not wanting to have to learn any more new stuff. 
I choose my waves to jump onto and learn about, in culture at least, in society, if I have to choose and if I get to choose. Smartphones, yes. Twitter or X, no. Utilizing Zoom and considering an online Bible studies, yes. TikTok, probably not. When I was installed here back in February 1993, I was installed per UCC language and order of service as St. Peter's pastor and teacher. As teacher, I'm going to challenge that old friend of mine in absentia and my own predilection sometimes to say, enough! Because as a student, I learned where the word education comes from. I quote from Thomas Groom, the author of Christian Religious Education, and I do ask you to please listen. This kind of undergirds the rest of the sermon. He said, the etymology of the word, etymology being like how it came to be created, what the, what's the origin of the word? The etymology of the word education offers a significant clue to the nature of the activity itself. The English word comes from the Latin ducare and its cognate ducere, meaning to lead. And the prefix, the letter E, meaning out. At its root meaning, then, education is an activity of leading out. Three dimensions or points of emphasis can be discerned in leading out. A, a point from which. B, a present process. And C, a future toward which the leading out is done. In this sense, education has an already, a being realized, and a not yet. In other words, education or leading out to something, its very self implies growth. Or as another man of St. Nikolai taught me, if you went through a whole day and you didn't learn anything, you wasted the day. Well, the Hebrews got a long, long lesson from the Lord through Moses, which we have in Deuteronomy as well as other books in the Torah. They definitely had that a point from which in their leading out or learning, Yahweh led them out from slavery in Egypt. Their point from which their education in relationship with God was took off, it was the exodus from Egypt through the Red Sea and the whole series of events leading up to the covenant in Mount Sinai and the Ten Commandments. God acted freely out of love for the Hebrews. Yes, inspired by the promises God had made, but all the same, God acted freely to make that promise to to Abram and Sarai and is making good on that promise. At this stage, God acted freely out of love for them. The creation of a new people, liberated and under the Lord, was now in process. They were in slavery, Red Sea event, Mount Sinai, a point from which, and then the process, you know, they're becoming this new people, Israel. They were at a place of gratitude. They still had a lot to learn, more to be led to, and from which to be led further. 
And here is where our Old Testament reading takes center stage. What do they need to know? The passage starts, interestingly enough, it starts with a statement of faith and a commandment to love the Lord our God is right after that. Hear, O Israel. By the way, in Hebrew, write that. Hear, O Israel. Hear, Shema. If you've heard reference in the live you had, because we live in Skokie, the Shema, it's from the Hebrew to hear. Listen. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. That latter part is the first and greatest commandment. Professor Patrick D. Miller wrote that the Shema, or the great commandments, so they're combined, is the pivot. What we just what I just read is the pivot around which everything else in Deuteronomy revolves. It is the first word of Moses' instruction to the people after the Ten Commandments in Deuteronomy. There's a version in Deuteronomy. After the Ten Commandments have come as direct word of God to them. So we have the Ten Commandments, direct word of God to them. And then the next thing that's coming from God through Moses is the Shema. An affirmation of faith and the command to love. Well, just as importantly as remembering that pivot point, and just as importantly for us who in learning are being led out, he wrote it is also pivotal because its location where I just described what the location in Deuteronomy, points to its character. It points to the Shema's character as a bridge. It's a bridge between the commandments and the other instructions given in the statutes and ordinances that follow, chapters 12 through 26. In turn, those things that come later, he uses the word explicate. I think he just wanted to use the word explicate. These explain in specific and concrete ways, the meaning of those statutes, the meaning of Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, for the life of Israel. That's why Jesus can later say, all the law and the prophets hang on this commandment, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, or might. Because it's the bridge, it's the pivot point to them. And then they're explained. The Shema, Miller went on to say, was the touchstone for Israel's faith and life. The plumb line by which their relationship to the Lord of history was being measured. End quote. So, this passage that we heard Jennifer read and that I've quoted from is a pivot point from the commandments to the details of application, and not just for anyone, but for all Israel. With all your heart, let's just take a look at a couple of pieces. With all your heart. Now, to love the Lord with all our heart is something else Dr. Miller helps us understand. He wrote that in this context, love does not mean primarily affective dimensions. It doesn't necessarily mean warm fuzzies, that you feel love. It does assume, it assumes, a personal, intimate, trusting relation. As the Shema indicates, this love can be commanded. It is expressed, this love is expressed in loyalty and in service, obedience to the demands of the law. And that is a big part of this important educational section, being led out, and here's the process and where you're being led to, 
O Israel. And what got me the first time for choosing this passage for this subject was this. Recite them to your children. The passage tells Israel to talk about the law wherever, whenever and wherever they are with the kids. Whenever it is, all the time. Make them a part of your clothing, your house, your land. It is all-encompassing, this faith. This love and loyalty are to be a major part of Jewish life. In no way is this a compartmentalized obedience or love or belief. It's not like, okay, here's my life with God and it's like a book and now I'm done with this, I'm putting it on a shelf and I can walk away and do whatever I want. No compartmentalization the way this comes to us. To have these and to follow them is to show the world who you are and who is your Lord. Ideally for all of Israel. It's a communal faith. So the Israelites were taught the commandments and in teaching them from generation to generation, there was this leading out to a future with hope and promise from God. That's why the exile in Babylon was so brutal to them. This lived out and passed on faith was meant to be and at its best is a communal reality that God wants us to have, wanted Israel to have. In Christian education, we are the heirs of our Jewish brothers and sisters, for Jesus was Jewish. His whole life was an education. He led people out. He led people out from his faith, his life, death and resurrection, another new people were created. You and I are taught this faith at home, at church, with grandparents, with friends, these stories and the commands of our God of love. And so we teach too. When there is an infant or child's baptism, the church makes a promise of love and support to the parents. One way we make good on that promise is to have Sunday school. The odds are not great to build a Sunday school if we did not have an attended nursery also. I remember mentioning last year when we needed another Sunday school teacher, thank you Rita McMahon, that we promised at each baptism without saying these words to have Sunday school, which means having teachers. We have an important role in Christian education. Now I've often thought that at St. Peter's we do not emphasize this enough. Now maybe, and I've said this before too, perhaps it's because the chapel and the classrooms are upstairs, out of sight and maybe out of mind of a lot of us. How many of our adults have even been in the classrooms or visited upstairs? Yet this is where seeds of faith are planted. We pray for them to grow and they are nurtured. It's a place, not the only place, it's a place where God's love and laws are communicated and we teach about Jesus. And we had heard encouragement to do so in 2 Timothy. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed and how, ding, ding, from childhood, you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation in Jesus Christ through faith. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful 
for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Jesus taught that it's not those who hear his teaching, but those who hear his teaching and build their lives on it, that build their lives on a firm foundation that no storm is going to knock them down. Sunday school, aside from the content and the importance of it being, Sunday school is also where relationships begin and grow, both between students and between students and teachers. Chapel gives me and our young the chance to get to know each other a little bit also. By definition, education is what leads you and me out to a higher level of life and faith over time during our journey together, not as Lone Ranger Christians. Sunday school and confirmation and youth fellowship and more are not and never have been the end of Christian education for us and for our teaching churches. Now I trust most of us know about our offerings for Christian education beyond Sunday school and confirmation and youth fellowship when we had it. We've done a whole lot more than we used to, which is great. We've done, uh, we've had the annual soup and study during Lent, one of the highlights of the year for me. The Micah 6-8 committee has led studies, including a, a recent summer a few years ago when we, inviting everyone, we used the UCC curriculum called Let's Talk White Privilege. Then in June, the Micah 6-8 Committee sponsored the reading and discussion of how to be an anti-racist. In October, it will host a two-hour viewing and discussion of a previous address by the Reverend John, Dor John Dorhauer. John Dorhauer, until recently, was the president and general manager of our denomination, and this talk that he gave at Elmhurst College was on the dangers of white nationalism. It might be Christian white nationalism. And so it was videotaped. We're going to watch that and talk about that, preceded by a soup period. So it's five to seven, and it's a soup and study format. And that's what we're going to be talking about. That's an educational opportunity to be led to. Our ad hoc open and affirming support committee last month hosted the documentary, Learn With Love, from the Trevor Project, followed by discussion. All of these are forms of Christian education one way or another. They deal with life as it is in the here and now and we receive it and talk about it as people of faith. Now the world continues to change and needs the message and needs the presence of the church. When it comes to education, years ago Richard Shaw wrote, there is no such thing as a neutral educational process. Education, he wrote, either functions as an instrument which is used to facilitate the integration of the younger generation into the logic of the present system and bring about conformity to it. That's a lot, I'll repeat it. Education either functions as an instrument which is used to facilitate the integration of young, the younger generation into the logic of the present system and bring about conformity to it. Or it becomes the practice of freedom, 
The means by which men and women deal critically and creatively with reality and discover how to participate in the transformation of the world. All in the name of love, for we are grounded in the grace of Christ. Does our Christian education hint at that second function of critical, faithful interaction with the coming world and the present world? Will it lead us outward and onward and prepare us well for faithfully navigating the tough waters of life in 2023, 2033, and beyond? Do you and I find that our love of the Lord in all its examples and our following the ways of God the best we can as shown by Jesus, do we find that that helps us cope with and improve our lives and those of our community now and for the future? Are you and I still learning, asking questions, still being led together to a way of loving and obeying God that lifts everyone around us in changing and challenging times. Wouldn't that be great? Yes, it would. Amen. Hi. After preaching that sermon, and expect while I was preaching the end of that sermon, and maybe you re- maybe you thought the same thing that uh, in a sermon that I that I liked after I didn't like it I had to make some changes Friday and that made it into what I wanted it to be and what I hope God wanted it to be which is more important while preaching it at the very end I thought I'm mean, here I am saying wouldn't it be great if if uh, you know we could do this and I had just laid out some ways some recent examples of how Saint Peter's was doing it. So that might have been a little confusing to the people in the pews, might have been a little confusing to you, but it was a little late to my brain because my mouth had already opened and said the words. Well, nobody's perfect. We're all trying to do the best we can. That does it for us here on September 10th at St. Peter's United Church of Christ. Sorry my voice is a little scratchy, even coffee. Because I'm not at St. Peter's right now. I'm back at home uh, recording this, uh, this outro. And, you know, different places are different, you know, in the atmosphere and what's in the air and how dry is it or how moist is it. So I'm going to stop talking now by thanking you once again for tuning in. And I look forward to preaching a message next Sunday that's going to be on the subject of hanging on. You know, Isaiah 40, the ending verses of Isaiah 40. And I'm also going to use Hebrews 10, the last part of Hebrews 10, and uh, six verses out of Matthew 24. So if you're interested in an exploration of us hanging on, tune in for the September 17th message when you have a chance. But wait until the seventh, wait until the 19th at least when it has been published. Words of gratitude once again. May God bless you, and may God bless your week. Amen. Like what you've heard? Hit subscribe to follow and get updates on our newest additions to the Red-Headed Preacher. We'd love it if you'd give us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find us online under most social media platforms 
by typing St. Peter UCC Skokie in your browser. Donations are much needed and very welcomed. You can donate to us by going to paypal.me backslash St. Peter UCC Skokie. This information and more can also be found in the show notes wherever you listen to our podcast. Thank you so much 